Well, hello again, Bridge family. I, uh, again, hope this finds you well, and I'm, I'm grateful for this chance to be in the Word uh, with you, even though it's kind of virtually from a distance, uh, but, but grateful to know that we are sharing in this together as we continue in our study of Philippians. Before we get into our text for today, I just wanted to take a quick opportunity to invite you uh, to a few opportunities, knowing that maybe this video finds you through some different avenues and ways. So I don't want to take anything for granted. Um, so first off, just to make sure you know that every Sunday at 10 a.m., we do uh, a Zoom call for our entire church to come together and to worship together in song, um, as well as to have a time of, of praying together as a whole church. And um, just, uh, you know, as we are kind of scattered about, it's just a wonderful opportunity to be reminded uh, that we are not alone. Uh, and even as I'm grateful for the ways in which we're gathering together in house churches virtually, um, it's even, again, uh, greatly encouraging to see kind of the collection of all these people that God has called together. And so I want to make sure you know about that. And speaking of house churches, um, we are gathered uh, in house churches. Uh, you know, we really just kind of roll what our transformation groups were into uh, these places of, of journeying and faith together uh, in house churches. So if you are not uh, connected uh, to a house church, I really want to encourage you to do so because um, our, our faith is, is not meant to be pursued and expressed alone, and it's also not meant to be passive. And so even uh, in this teaching, um, it is designed for it to really have its fullest impact in learning uh, in a group context. You really need space with others for this to really bring uh, the, the most uh, fruit and impact to your life. So I really want to encourage you to house churches. And then also just make sure you're aware uh, every second Thursday at 8 p.m., uh, we, we have a Zoom call, uh, this this for church-wide prayer. And this, this time of prayer is focused largely on kind of the gospel mission or if you want to think in terms of Philippians, as we've been studying, the progressing of the gospel in our lives and through our lives uh, to each other and to the world. Um, and so we really want to invite you to and, and uh, encourage you to join us for that. Um, if you if you need links for any of that, if you're connected to a house church, uh, your house church leader can help you with those links. You can also email us at connect at thebridgemontrose.org in order to uh, get the links that you need to join us on those Zoom calls. So let me pray for us and we'll get into Philippians, okay? Um, God, I just want to be still for a moment, Lord, just to give space for myself as I am, am coming to share uh, your truth, your goodness, your work of grace in Christ, work of salvation, and Lord, the power of Christ in our lives, God as well as uh, to give stillness, a time to be still for those listening. God, I pray that right now um, you would just um, do a work in us that our hearts and our minds and our lives will be open and pliable right now. Lord, that as we are, however we are listening to this, whether it's alone, uh, in a car, in a living room, at work, with a group, um, Lord, I pray uh, that there would, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would intervene, that you would enter in, Lord. We know that you are always present. You've, you've reconciled us. You, you've restored an abiding relationship. Um, but, but also, I know that we are human, and, um, and Lord, we are asking you to renew and awaken and to enter into our midst, uh, 
and um, and work in us. Lord, we pray for the freedom that only Christ can bring, the power that only the working of your word and the Holy Spirit can bring to our lives. And Lord, that you would be glorified uh, in us and through us, and that we would be unified by the name of Jesus and the purpose on our lives. Lord, offer your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be uh, in Philippians 3, uh, 1 through 11 today as we continue our study through the the letter to the church in Philippi from Paul. So I want to go ahead and read that passage in full. Okay, so Philippians 3, 1 through 11, it says this. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So as we continue in this letter to the church in Philippi, we see as Paul is, is writing this very personal correspondence, as he is being very personal as a friend, uh, we, we see him continuing what he started in the previous passage that we looked at last week as Paul is now shifting to looking ahead, looking at what is to come, looking to the life that is that is being encountered in those in the church in Philippi. And it's interesting, we see a good picture here of, again, kind of the unique um, kind of way in which Philippians is structured because um, most of Paul's letters are directed directly to uh, what the church and uh, that he is addressing is encountering. And we start to see a little glimpse of that here, that this is much more directed at the church in Philippi, but true to the form of Philippians, Paul is still expressing it through a personal perspective and testimony. Um, so it's also interesting to see, as we said, that Paul's tone has been one of encouragement and gratefulness. And we see that his greatest concern is the progressing of the gospel uh, in and through uh, those in Philippi. We see here that his focus is most fully on that progressing of the gospel in and through their lives. Certainly it is out of a, a, a love and a care. Again, we recognize the warning that started, right? Watch out for. There is love and concern, but you see that his deepest priority 
in all things is shining through brightly and that is the cause of Christ the cause of Christ in each of their lives each of our lives as well as the cause of Christ through each of their lives and each of our lives and so he starts off with this word finally and it's not this uh, false conclusion because we see uh, later on in, in chapter 4 verse 8 he has another finally so really what Paul is saying here um, I am now coming to the things of final importance it's a, it's a common way of, of expressing things and he says he says it's, it's nothing to me to repeat myself in Paul what Paul's saying is my joy to be redundant and I just I love this because again like it just gives us some insight and there's two reasons that we can see here that, that we can that we can uh, you know discern of why is Paul's joy to be redundant and one is because it's just another opportunity to proclaim the work of Jesus to proclaim what Christ has accomplished and and again this passage is so rich in that but then also with the word of warning we also see that it's 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 his joy to be redundant because he knows what we face. He knows what the church in Philippi is facing and living as a minority, living kind of on the on the fringes of culture, being being oppressed and facing persecution. Uh, and, and he knows that, that it is difficult. He knows that it uh, will call for perseverance. And he knows that they will constantly have to face uh, what, what we are presenting here. And so as we think about this, I just want to go ahead and present our big idea for the day, which is, which is gratefully, I mean, it's kind of a spoiler. Like, here's what it's all about, is this, is that our confidence must be in Christ in all things if we are to experience the power of the resurrection in our lives. Let me just say it again. Our confidence must be in Christ in all things if we are to experience the power of the resurrection in our lives lives so we talked about the warning uh, Paul starts off with this warning in Philippians 3 2 it said he says look out for the dogs look out for the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh and what Paul's talking about here he's referencing this group uh, of, of people that were known as Judaizers and they were they were those who stood under the name of Jesus. They, 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 they acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, but they came in and they, they demanded that Gentiles take on Jewish law and characteristics in order to become, in order to be considered Christians. So they would make them be circumcised. They would make them observe the law. They wanted, they wanted them to take on uh, what it was. And so they, he, it's probably that Paul, Paul certainly had, has had run-ins with them, and he's probably anticipating uh, them facing these realities because these, these groups of what were called Judaizers would go around to places where there were pockets of, of followers of the way, of Christ followers, and try to impose this on those Gentiles that had come to Christ and said, no, no, we were the keepers of, of, of the law. Jesus came to, to, in the law. And you need to still observe the law. And so when we think about this, what we see, really the warning here is don't get stuck in false religion. And when we talk about you know, religion, uh, religion is the life that is lived in pursuit of your faith. right? The life lived in pursuit of your faith. 
And so he's saying, don't get stuck into false religion. Don't buy into false religion. And that's because that's what's being imposed. That's what he's warning them against is, is that, hey, there are these false parameters of what you must do to be considered acceptable to God is what is what's happening. And so the exhortation that Paul then continues is basically, you know, when he says, hey, we are the circumcised. What he's saying is he's saying, live as those who are free in Christ. Because when he says when he says we are the circumcised, Notice that he, that he didn't say you have been circumcised. There's a difference between being circumcised versus being the circumcision. We are the circumcision. And, and so I know we don't get to, we don't often use uh, the, that word uh, this often in one conversation, um, but, it, but it's because it's a poignant picture. And, and so just to be, just to give us a little bit of, of context, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, the people that were set apart by God for his holy purpose, that is, they, is they were blessed, they were meant to be a blessing, as they were the givers of, the, they were the ones the law was given to and the covenant was given to, they were meant to live out a life that exhibited the realities of God, the goodness of God, the character of God, the provision of God. And circumcision was one of those things that was given to the mark, to, to Israel to mark them as set apart and so what we see in christ when, when in saying that we are the circumcision we're saying that we are the evidence of god's work of setting a people apart through the work of jesus and so again what the judaizers were doing is saying hey it is still up to you it is still up to the work of your hands to show that you are set apart and what the gospel of jesus says what christ has accomplished is that no by what he has done, you have been set apart. You have been made righteous, made whole, redeemed, renewed, reconciled. And then you are living unto and out of what has already been done. And so again, it is, it is a, a, a deliverance from the external, which was the way in which we showed that we were set apart, as opposed to the reality of what Christ has done in us, that we are set apart. And so it's beyond our hands. And so really what this exhortation is, is, hey, don't get sucked into false religion. Trust Jesus and follow Jesus. This is true religion. The, the, you know, it's not that Jesus came and negated the law. It's that he fulfilled the law, right? And so it is in trusting Jesus and following Jesus that our lives still exhibit the fact that we are set apart. And so Jesus is the central point of our faith and that's what paul is calling us to and so paul wants to point us to what true religion looks like again i know religion is kind of a charged word and we instantly kind of uh dismiss it as as false especially because of this idea of like of god values relationship over religion but religion is a good word and it, it is religion again is the expression of our the you know the manifestation of our life in the pursuit of our faith and so that's what we want to look at is, is what you know it, 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 real quickly as paul continues in the second part of three we see what true religion looks like and again we could spend a long time just on this this verse because this all this part of the verse comes from many other parts of scripture but paul describes uh the the true religion the true life resulting from following jesus in the work of christ is this 
He says, you know, we are the circumcision, those who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory, in, and we glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So the life that we have been given in Christ that we are to pursue is the one that worships in spirit and in truth, right? We have been, we have been reconciled. We have been given the Holy Spirit that brings understanding and inclines our wills and empowers our lives towards what God has given as true, to, to honor God as God, to honor the work of God in Christ. So we, we worship in spirit and truth. And that word worship is the same, it's this word serve, and it's the same idea that we see in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, to, to offer our lives as living sacrifices. So it's really, we are those who serve, who give of our life by the Spirit of God, by the power of the Spirit of God, by the, by the leading of the Spirit of God, by the assurance of the Spirit of God. And then it says, and we glory in Christ. And that word glory is the same word as boast. It is that we, we see infinite worth in the work of, of Christ. We revel and we are in awe and we, and we, and we, and we share um, and, and shine what Christ has done. And then we put no confidence in the flesh. Um, we, we are exposed for what we are. Um, and that's, that's where Paul continues. And so... Um, we're going to look at why there can, you know, kind of why we don't have any confidence in the flesh. But I want to set us up for the next couple of minutes here. What we're going to look at here is, is answering this question. How do we experience the power of the resurrection in our lives? Right. If that's our big idea, how do we actually experience the power of Christ's resurrection in our lives? And so Paul just set us up for our first understanding, our first way, is that there can be no confidence in the flesh, our flesh, over, you know, there can be no confidence in the flesh over Christ. There can be no confidence in the work of our hands over what Christ accomplishes. So, so what are the false confidences of the flesh that we cling to? This is what, what Paul lays out in him kind of sharing his own past. Right. Let me read this again. Philippians 3, 4 through 6. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for, the, for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He says, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Like it goes, it goes way back. Like to the before I had any choice, I was shown to be set apart. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee, which again, we kind of think of Pharisees as automatically bad. The Pharisees were the leaders of the church. They were the smart ones. They were the professionals. They were the, the, the respected and revered. And he's saying that I was, I mean, and, and elsewhere he said I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was the top. And then it says as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He kept the law. And so just to summarize these, you know, to summarize these, the things that Paul found confidence in in the flesh and that we tend to find confidence in in the flesh, it's, it's our pedigree and prestige, right? Like our, our alliances and belongings, like what the, our, maybe it's our family name or maybe it's the, the, the you know, kind of the, the academies that we've come through or maybe it's the companies that we work for, but just our pedigree and our prestige, 
right? We, we also find a lot of confidence in our performance again, right? He, uh, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was, he was, he was a Pharisee. He was blameless uh, according to the law. And then again, and then power. So pedigree and prestige, performance and power. These are the things that we often find our confidence in our flesh in is our ability to, to embody these things or to attain these things. And Paul had power. He had enough power that he could take the life of another. Right? That's power. And these are the things that he found confidence in. And we think about these, all of these things that, that Paul is showing us here through his testimony, he show, he's showing that they all result to nothing. And what we know is that when, when we find confidence in the flesh, it only results in personal emptiness. You know, it's what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And it's not that we shouldn't be proud of what we accomplish is not that we shouldn't even be aware of our abilities. We actually should be aware of our abilities, of our giftedness. We should work hard and steward what we've been given as part of our creation mandate to be fruitful, multiply, to subdue and, and cultivate, right? But it's that it's when we place our greatest confidence in the works of our flesh. And it's to the degree we should say, put next to our confidence in Christ, it should be as if there is no confidence in the flesh. More importantly, not just leading us to emptiness, all of these result in a life that proclaims an antithetical gospel. For those of us who have called on Christ, one of the greatest purposes and joys of our life is to see the good news of Jesus proclaimed in word and deed through our lives. And what this, if we find confidence in these things, what we are saying, it says Jesus does not have the authority over our lives and he is not enough for our lives he's not enough to satisfy what are the aspects of your flesh that you tend to find confidence in over Christ so if we want to experience the power of the resurrection in our lives we first have to have no confidence in the flesh over Christ Secondly, we have to revel in what Christ has accomplished over what you've accomplished. And again, they're, they're, they're related, obviously. And it's this idea, Jesus plus anything at best equals a diminishment of what is good and true. And at worst, destroys, it destroys the, the, the work of Christ in our lives, the experiencing and extending the work of Christ in our life, right? All right, we are not greater than God. We cannot thwart him. But as far as experiencing and extending the power of the resurrection, this is this is what we're talking about. And so secondly, we have to revel in what Christ has accomplished over what you have accomplished. Philippians 3, 7 and 9 shows us this. It says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And so to be clear, when we talk about righteousness, Having a righteousness from God, again, righteousness, we are, we are called to be perfectly righteous, to have right standing before God, to be holy. 
And because God is holy and we are not, that is what has separated us from him in our sin. And there is no way, there is no measure of righteousness that we in our humanity are able to attain to achieve enough righteousness to, to have fellowship with the holy God. And if we want to talk about salvation, it is trusting God's provision of grace and providing the perfect spotless lamb of Jesus to be our substituting, our atoning sacrifice that, that took on our sin and death and then defeated it in his resurrection. And in that resurrection, when we trust that, that atoning sacrifice, we also then partake in the resurrected life. And in that faith, where salvation happens, trusting Christ as that, in that moment, God no longer sees our righteousness, but sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. That's what's beautiful here. And so when we revel in our accomplishments, or the accomplishments of anything else other than what has been accomplished in Christ, we miss out on the riches um, of God's grace achieved for us in the work of Christ. If your confidence is in anything other than Christ, you will not live with the experience of God's grace and work in Christ being sufficient for you. You will always be pursuing something else. You will always be striving. You will always feel as if you've come up short. And guess what? You're right. In your human efforts, you come up short. But in Christ, you are not lacking anything. If you place your confidence, if you revel in what you or any others besides Jesus accomplish, you will find yourself expressing what Paul says here. You will not find yourself expressing what he says here. These are not bad things. All of these other good things that compared to the accomplished work of Christ and what we experience as a result, all these other good things are like the nastiest trash that we leave on the street compared to knowing Jesus, right? That's what that's what Paul says here. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Anything good that I lost matters, but does not compare to what I have gained in Christ. And of course, this is talking about those things that we have lost for the sake of Christ, where you have stood with integrity and worked with integrity or, you know, and have been cost a promotion or have been passed over or where you have um, stood up socially and have been, you know, outcast out of a friend group. All right. These are light, light examples, but they're still real and they're still big in our lives. But, you know, we don't exactly face uh, the persecution of life yet. But this is also just the way in which we endure life, where life happens right in the midst of, of our pandemic. So much has been stripped away. So many things that matter and that we miss. And yet, because of what has been satisfied and provided in Christ, even these things that are good that we miss pale in comparison to the way in which we are satisfied in Christ. That's the promise of Jesus. Because of Jesus, no matter what accomplishment, no matter what we accomplish or what we don't accomplish, no matter what befalls us, no matter what tragedy comes, no matter where you fell, no matter where you have disgrace and shame, here's the promise that we see here. 
You will always be enough in the eyes of God because of Jesus. You will never come up short when your confidence is in Christ. You will never come up short when your confidence is in Christ. So I want to close with the last two verses that I hope gives us a, re- a resolve in our spirit and our hearts that it is worth living and pursuing to live in the confidence of Christ over our flesh for the rest of our lives. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So when we think about this life where our confidence is in the work of Christ and not in our flesh, we are led to a place where we are living life with the confidence, assurance, and the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Do you understand that? The same power that created life at the beginning is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. This same power has been worked in your salvation and is now working presently in your life because you are abiding and sustained in Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Word, we can live in this reality of the power of the resurrection in us. We are able to share in his sufferings. Will we face death? Maybe, but we all face death in this life. We can do so with confidence. We face trials. We face loss. We can do so without without the sense that we are a victim of it all, but that we are victorious. The resurrection power of Jesus in our lives allows us to see and pursue all all the realities of our lives differently, victoriously, freely, confidently. We are not defined by our privilege and prestige to the positive or to the negative. Praise God. <clears throat> there, are, there are those who, who feel confined by the elevated name they're associated with. There are those that feel confined because of the lack of the name that they come from or represent. Christ delivers you from that because you are under his name. We are not measured by our performance. When we see that we are measured from our performance, it leads to one of two things. It leads to our arrogance or our insecurity. We are measured by the righteousness and the work and the performance of Jesus. That's that's our confidence. We're not left to what we have the power to achieve or control. Again, it leads to a polarizing destruction, right? Either this frailty and fear that our hands just can't quite hold it together or abuse, right? Where we, we, we can hold it together and we hurt ourselves and others. We live in the power of our resurrected King Jesus and will live eternally with him on the last day. I'm so grateful for how this passage brings in this already not yet tension. We are living in the fullness of Christ now in our salvation and the work of his resurrection. 
and we have a day to come when there will be the full glorification and deliverance of all things, when there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. Every tear is wiped away. All that is sad becomes untrue. That's the glory of our God. That's the work of our resurrection power in Christ Jesus. So, if you want to experience the power and reality of the resurrecting work of Christ in your life, place no confidence in the flesh and actively seek to revel in the work accomplished in Christ over any work accomplished by the hands of, human, of mankind. Let me pray. Um, God, I just want to surrender to you or thanking you that you are, are faithful and patient and compassionate and gracious. Lord, that in Christ you deliver us. In Christ you, you, you liberate us, God, and you remind us who we belong to. We belong to you. Lord, by the power of the resurrection, God, our righteousness is not our own, but it's of Christ. And Lord, all, all are accepted in, there, in Christ. And Lord, all are made new. And all have an opportunity for your glorifying work in this life. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us, lead us, unify us in Jesus. In his name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Pray you are well. We are better together for the glory of God. Hope to see you soon. Bye.